Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 82, Magenta Feathers. It was like a realization or a revelation or something. There I was in my apartment stewing about the connections my brain was making between Parp and Cammy, and boom, I had the tools to deal with it the whole time. The tool I got from Jessica, pretty simple, but usually effective. Put the assholes in a still photograph and burn the photograph while I chortle. And like I said, if that doesn't work, I have the backup plan, the Pauly plan. Put them in a home movie where they are choking and vomiting and screaming. Ha ha ha! The traitors. So I made a mental picture of Cammy the cunt and Parp the prick and lit the bastards on fire. It was a nice slow burn. Didn't work. So I ran the home movie on them. Ha ha ha! That's right, you fuckers. Enjoy the tasty salmonella with battery acid. Then I got up and went downstairs and lit up and paced the sidewalk. I trotted down to the corner bodega and bought a quart of milk. I inhaled pretty deep through my nose and shrugged my shoulders loose. Yep, I thought. They know each other, and they're laughing about me. He probably fucked her during hat. In the ass. In a threesome with Belinda. What I hated most of all was they thought I was too stupid to figure it out. How's that for a state of mind? I'm not bragging about it. It was painful. Like a bruise you can't keep from jabbing with your thumb. I went upstairs and popped into Sammy's room. Daddy just had to run down and get some milk, but he's back. I showed him the milk carton I'd bought as a prop for this alibi. Okay, Sam said. He was in zen mode with his feathery mastodon. Hey, Sam, is that the same feathery mastodon? Nope, he said. This one is gay. Huh? This one has more feathers and they're mostly magenta. He knew what magenta meant, and he pronounced it without stumbling. I was a little shocked. Do they call it gay on the website? Nope, he cried. That's what Harry calls it. There were a few seconds of complete silence while I stared at the magenta mastodon on his screen. Wow, I said eventually. More feathers. That's like magic. He looked up at me with this look that said feathers were dollars, and now he knew how to get more. Yeah. He growled. I closed his door gently and went in the kitchen to pop the milk in the fridge. I'd have a conversation with Harry about the whole gay mastodon thing later, if I remembered. Or maybe I'll have Junior do the enhanced interrogation, I thought. Then my brain shifted back to the whole parp cami conundrum. I tried the burned picture technique again. Nope. The vomiting and screaming technique also failed. Again. My brain insisted, they're fucking you insufferable chump. (laughs) 
So I called up Jessica, you know, emergency. I left a frantic voicemail. She called back about an hour later and fixed me in like five minutes. She sighed like my mom. Oh, Paul, she said. Are you serious? And then she giggled. Oh, oh. Very unphd like but it did the trick. All I needed was somebody from the outside world to give me a really clear sense of how nuts I sounded and that normal people, people not in the middle of it all, could look at the same facts I was looking at and see nothing wrong and even pity my craziness. I said, thanks a bunch, and hung up. I stretched out on my sofa and let the relief sink in for a few minutes. I'm such a dick, I thought. Then I thought, time for another cigarette. But my rule is, don't leave Sammy alone unless it's an emergency, even a paranoid emergency, and I wasn't having one of those at the moment. Plus, I'd already left him alone twice. That first time I left him and Harry alone so I could call Arvo. And then that second time, because thinking about Parp and Cammy was freaking me out, so getting a smoke was a categorical imperative. I put my nicotine craving on some mental back burner and called up Parp to schedule pickup of his roundabout in gold card. We agreed to meet at the Starbucks in his neighborhood. Yeah, the one at Worldwide Plaza. The same one I went to for coffee on the morning after the inaugural ball. If you've gotten this far in my tale of vengeance and justice, you've probably noticed I mentioned Starbucks a lot. But if it's a hundred years from now, they might not have Starbucks anymore, so let me fill you futuristas in. Starbucks was everywhere. It had decent coffee. It made a lot of money. And most of us know money makes you a psychopath eventually. So we citizens of the early 21st century didn't really trust it, but we got our coffee there anyway and made excuses about being slaves to the man. Except the Parp. He liked Starbucks and he liked that they made a lot of money. The profit motive makes the world go round, he said. Compassion will get you spit-filled Sanka in muddy cups from a soup kitchen run by the pimp of a politician's hooker. So as soon as Junior got back from her playdate with Sue Gasparino, I got on the bus for Midtown and met Barb in Starbucks at Worldwide Plaza. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side. Copyright 2021 by Dan Wrench.